0: comics do routines on airplanes, you know, and they they talk about fear and stuff like that, see. But none of them ever really come to the point, you see. And the point is this. I do not hold in what's on my mind. See, I speak up. When I, as soon as my foot hits the plane, I speak out. Hope the plane don't crash! (laughs) Yes, sir. I speak right out. Sure, it shakes up a lot of people, but they're angry because they didn't say it. I got on one plane, I said, hope the plane don't crash. He said, here, here. And it was the pilot. I'm telling you right now, a lot of you get drunk, you just oh, yeah. And then you said, we landed. always oh, we again, sober right up. Okay, good enough. And I'll tell you something else. I want to know when the plane is going down. I don't want any stewardess walking by saying, oh, no smoking, just for fun. I'm so, I want to prepare myself for that crash. Guy, The worst thing in the world to do is die while you're reading Life magazine.
1: Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me again, uh, as per usual. And I'm sorry, that's probably the second time I said that, because I know there's usually an introductory track. Anyway... Uh, this week, I have with me Matt Buholtz. How are you? I'm doing great, thank yeah? you. Yeah? Let's point this well. towards you just in case oh, yeah. sounds let... fine. But, oh, this is loose now. Oh, that's fun. Now, hey, everybody. I hope you like the sound of that shit, because <laughs> there we go. Okay, that sounds fine to yeah. me. Let's just hope sounds it's, good? Yeah, it sounds... Well, let's see. Yeah, sounds good to me. All right. <laughs> How does it sound to everybody at home? Really? Good, thank you. Okay. All right. So, you wanted to talk about an album, and I say this a lot, that I'd never heard before... I uh, probably should have, considering it's the origin of Fat Albert, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But it's Bill Cosby revenge.
2: Yeah, I,
1: lo- I loved it. I, I wanted to listen to it more. It doesn't always happen. Why did you, is this? Why is this one so
2: important to you? This one for me, like growing up, when I was a kid. I grew up in a small farming town of like 500 people. Shit. Yeah. So the, <laughs> um, it was an hour to the nearest city. Yeah. So there wasn't much to do, and I listened to my dad's records a lot. So I got a lot of Sticks, a lot of Journey. Yeah. And also a lot of Bill Cosby, which was kind of interesting yeah. considering you know, he was middle of rural Washington. Right, right. But uh Revenge was like one of the ones that I listened to over and over and over again on my dad's record player like growing up. Mm-hmm. And uh then upon moving to California I got all of my dad's records as kind of a moving out That's gift. Awesome. <laughs> and so it's uh maintained its spot on my playlist throughout the years. Yeah. But it's just such a solid album as yeah. far as comedy goes. And I feel like a lot of my comedy comes from listening to bill cosby's work like the pacing yeah and just his overall storytelling method is so great like, mm-hmm. there i don't think there's anyone that compares to how he just relates a tale seriously <laughs> but, let's talk about what you
1: do comedy wise let's talk about yeah. like you you do sketch you work at the, uh, groundlings
2: mm-hmm. yeah i do uh i write sketch comedy for uh boxseats.tv i have uh, taking a couple classes in sketch. I work at the groundlings, I do a lot of their graphic design work there. Awesome. But gotta be surrounded by that whole comedy environment. It's and amazing. uh then I'm part of a uh podcast called Crit Juice, which is Dungeons and Dragons with uh a bunch of comedians and actors as a drinking game. It's awesome. So that's so good. <laughs> uh get a nice little mix of uh my comedy where I can get it.
1: Right. I mean, and that's that, I mean, that podcast, I, I apologize again, I haven't heard it yet, but I will listen to it. I love the I, idea that because d and D's is very much, uh, it's good for you if you're an improv guy.
2: It, it's amazing. It's all character based. Mm-hmm. You come up with this point of view from a character and you just get to run with it. Like we've got everything from this guy who's like half dragon and he talks like Dirty Harry <laughs> to a guy who is... A rabbit man who just is all about eating and like <laughs> sleeping with women <laughs> it goes, holy shit. It just spans the spans it all the way across whatever character you can come up with that's
1: so good and you play for what you said six we, hours we play for
2: six hours that time so that you get that full arc of like we started drinking we're drunk we are way too drunk holy shit that's so good i love it i uh uh i'm curious
1: then like you said you grew up i grew up in a rural area too about the same amount of people so it was like rare that you get to listen to anything different Mm -hmm. um was it all bill cosby that
2: he had sitting in his collection or do you have any more comedy he as far as comedy goes it was almost only bill cosby and it Mm -hmm. was like bill cosby revenge uh bill cosby is a funny guy right yeah and uh bill cosby is uh the kids one uh I forget what that one is oh, even shit. called, but uh, Bill Cosby okay, yeah. and his children, uh, when I was a kid. Oh, right, were, right, 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 yeah. yes, okay. Uh, which were great ones, and then somehow I have a mix of like other Bill Cosby uh, bits that I don't even know what album I got those from, because uh-huh. they're not part of my dad's collection, but like uh, the track and field high jump yes. bit, yeah. which is probably my favorite Bill Cosby piece, is on no records that I own. Oh, okay. okay. But it's always one of those ones I always think is on, yeah, you know, revenge sure. or on one of the ones I own. But I, I don't have it except for digitally. Right, right. <laughs> it was kind of cool listening to this
1: one. Well, let me grab it yeah. because um, the track. Da, 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 da. Okay, let's see. Is it going to be obviously named for me? Uh, maybe. Let's see. Well, Which actually, one? you know what? While I'm trying to find it, yeah. you tell me your favorite track, and we'll my talk favorite about track that on
2: this one. Like, I love uh, Ninth Street Bridge, mm-hmm. which is great. <laughs> it's just about Weird Harold and Bill as kids trying to watch scary movies mm-hmm. in a theater. And just, you know, it's a constant one-up. And so, you know, how can we... You know, who's going to see the monster first? Yeah. <laughs> <And> <laughs> eventually getting stranded until 10 p.m. And their mom's not going to pick them up, so they have to go home and... <laughs> Just like, yeah, the monsters are out. It's 10 o'clock at night. And the way that Bill Cosby tells it, you know, he's just like, you know, it's 10 p.m., the monsters are out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was just such a fact of reality. The way that he says it, it's such a fact of reality when you're a kid Mm -hmm. that, like, you're just right there with him. You remember those times when you're like, oh, God. This is horrible. Like, we're not going to make it home. Right, right. <laughs> and you're just cursing your mother, like, why did you let us do this? Like, don't you love us? Like, <laughs> but,
1: the way he paints childhood relationships is, like, so much richer than most people know how to do.
2: Oh, totally. Yeah. Is,
1: yeah. There, is there anything, like, in hit? I actually now remember the track, the, the whole track about the snowball... Oh, revenge. Uh, yeah, it is yeah. revenge right. The title, the, track. the title track. Thank you Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> um, to be fair, today's the first day I ever listened to it. That's no fucking excuse. Anyway, <laughs> but like the pacing of that is so good because it's very slow and deliberate and it's very like here's a beat, here's a beat, here's a beat, wait for it, here's a punch. Yeah. And until he gets to the very end where he's talking about the final bit where he's like I go into the house, I'm going to get the snowball, I open up the fridge, and my mom had thrown it out. Like, he doesn't even take his time, because that's the way a kid's brain is. It's like, oh shit, everything's over. My mom threw it out. So I went out there and I spit in his face. Like, it's just like, (laughs) I love that it builds and builds to just this whole rapid fire, oh, screw it. Like, everything's over now. I'm just going to do be as desperate as I possibly can. Yeah. You know, it so reflects what it's like to be a kid, and I just, I I don't know, I don't know why nobody else can do it as well, you know?
2: And like you said, that pacing is so essential, because Mm -hmm. you get that methodical... You know, just like, you know, I waited. Yeah, you know, I put this I could he for listeners, he gets hit with a slush ball, which you're not supposed to hit a kid with. Right. And so he decides to swear vengeance on Junior Barnes <laughs> and he can't find him that day and he has to go home before the monsters come out. <laughs> and so he takes the snowball in and puts it in the freezer with him. And then the way that he paces it is, you know, I put it in the fridge and I waited <laughs> till july 12th (laughs) my birthday (laughs) and it's just so slow and every beat you can just hear the audience just right there with him oh yeah you know he waited laugh you know july 12th oh even funnier (laughs) my birthday oh that's it yep yep (laughs) so good
1: (laughs) and he has such again such a sense of what of that of the childhood brain, and I know you hear it in other people. Like you know, Eddie Murphy does a lot of stuff about being a kid, mm-hmm. but it's a lot more about being a poor kid. Whereas uh, Bill Cosby's was just so much. It's a lot richer. It doesn't. It's not coming from as much pain. At least it doesn't feel yeah. like it. Like childish pain. Like like you said, thinking there are monsters out yeah. there, but dealing with fairly fairly. Uh, Seems like pretty good parents. Like he grew up in a nice way. Yeah,
2: you
1: know. You know? sorry go ahead no no uh, i'm just listening <laughs> uh as far as uh i mean uh let's let's talk a little bit then about you said the pacing has influenced you mm-hmm. is there anything i mean do you ever write from a similar perspective do you ever write anything like from that kind of childhood perspective oh,
2: I, I always try to and it never comes out as well as one would like sure. um i mean you know bill cosby spent so much time prior to this this is his fifth album i think so. I, I think so uh and uh it's the first one where he really goes into that childhood mm-hmm. point of view mm-hmm. all his prior ones are kind of bits off of you know just pure stand-up like mm-hmm. oh and you know noah said this and yeah. god said this <laughs> mm-hmm. and more a little bit more jokey and this is a little bit more storytelling yeah and so i think it took him until this point to really hit that stride and it it works like he nails it on this mm-hmm. album and for me like when i write i try and you know use this voice but as timeless as it is for Bill Cosby, I don't think it's something that I can bring out yeah. uh you know, my stories would be like i you know i I was on the farm right right, the pigs were here, you know? <laughs> and you try so hard to have that same tone and that same you know great storytelling, and I think for me, Bill Cosby hits an extra point because. His pacing is almost the same as my grandfather's pacing. Okay. So I get all these war stories that are the exact same. That's so interesting. The exact same jokes but <laughs> done in a different way. That's hilarious. Uh, you know from a poor uh, guy in Mississippi mm-hmm. you know, growing mm-hmm. up. Yeah and there we were rolling the tires down a hill with, <laughs> with Harold, you know. So and it's the same sort of, you know, these classic American times sure. that you know just don't really exist anymore that's true yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know if you can duplicate that or go with that mm-hmm. you know, as much as I'm influenced by
0: it I took that snowball home and I put it in the freezer and I waited July July 12th, my birthday. It was 104 degrees in the shade, not a snowball in sight. Junior Barnes was sitting on the steps in front of my house. I was standing there with him. I had gone to great lengths to prove to Junior Barnes that I was his greatest friend. (laughs) Let him drink out of my orange soda bottle without even wiping it off.
1: Do you, um, as far as maybe the feel of his comedy, it's an incredibly general thing to say, but just the way his comedy makes you feel, do you shoot for that kind of thing, or is there somebody else more biting satire that, like, comes out?
2: when you write? Oh, i definitely try to go for the Bill Cosby style because it's not only, like, smart comedy. Mm -hmm. It's also, like, all-inclusive. Like, there's not a single person who can listen to this album of any age and not relate. Yeah. I mean, which is what everyone tries to do. You want to have as big of an audience as possible. And in his work it's you know 99% of it's clean sure. so there's not a store that won't carry it not right. a family that won't let you listen to it mm-hmm. <laughs> um you know you're going to be laughing at it as a, an adult remembering your childhood or sure. as a kid being like oh yeah you know this is exactly how this goes yeah uh and so I think I really try for that because even when you look at just the beats like we were talking about earlier he's mm-hmm. got you know here's the bit here's this other bit you know here, building up and then he has a punchline, and you're like, "Oh, that's it." And then he has one more, and yeah. he he always gets you with it. Like, uh, Buck Buck mm-hmm. is like ten minutes long yeah. because you think it's two two whole stories, right? And it ends half of it with, "I told you this story, so I can tell you the next." <laughs> yep. <laughs> and, so good. And it just kills because you're like, you've just invested in this whole story of you know introducing Fat Albert. And, uh-huh. Oh, it's so it's so great. And like, oh, here's this and here's this bit. And you're just cracking up. And mm-hmm. right when the biggest punchline is supposed to happen, he just kills it off. <laughs> you know, Well, I told you that story, so heck, do this next one. And it's so good. Yeah, you just think like, ah, oh, listen to five minutes for whatever's coming up next. Like, that was great. This next thing better be good. Yeah, right. And or- he he follows it up with something that ties together a whole other sketch he did. It's amazing. So-
1: <laughs> it's so good. Do you... um. Is Do you remember the first
2: time you listened to this? Oh, God. I must have been oof, like nine or ten, mm-hmm. just up in what we later fixed up our attic to be mm-hmm. my room, but it was just my dad's stereo room. Mm-hmm. It was a milk crate of vinyl, uh-huh. the headphones with like the quarter inch curly of cord. Of course, and of course. Just being so nervous that I'd scratched the record at the time. <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, I can remember this I would listen to just nonstop, you know, over and over, and memorizing just the bits. That's so good. Um, Yeah, like the track and field one I mentioned earlier. Like, mm-hmm. I could do that, you know, word for word at That's a awesome. certain point when I was in j- junior high. And, you know, it was all about that repetition of, like, oh, if I can learn this, I can do it with it, you know yeah, whatever I want. of course. <laughs> and still, even now, that track and field one has a bit where he says he... He has to jump over a high jump mm-hmm. and he clears something that I never thought he could. He was just trying to lose and he clears it and he, you know, he does this whole bit where he's like, you know, and I went up and up and I thought, you know, this is great, I made it. You know, kick now, kick now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I must kick. But I've never been up this high before. So I kick and I landed it. <laughs> Poof, and I get up. Cool as can be. And on the inside, I'm going, "Whoa, I made it!" (laughs) Like that's such a that's such a reality. Like whenever you do something and you're like, "This isn't gonna work," and it does. And you're in public. <laughs> yeah, right. You have to, you know, you always are like, yeah, that's exactly what I meant to do. Right, right. <laughs> but on the inside, you've got that voice just screaming. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Not entirely uh, separate from how it feels to do good improv when you finally nail it, you know. Oh,
2: yeah. And you've got to have that face that's just oh, yeah. that stone face, like, that's what you paid for. Yep. This is <laughs> this is what I meant <laughs>
1: to do. I was in the scene the whole time. It's just how it goes. D- um... Yeah and that actually I'm glad you actually just expanded on the whole repetition thing. I mean, I had the same sort of impulse as a kid to memorize shit that meant a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Like we have we have that undying patience as a kid for something that's like, you know, we don't get tired of shit that easy. That's why one of the many reasons we can just eat candy all day, you know? It's <laughs> kind of the same thing. You kind of learn the stuff that uh, do, is there anything now or do you not have the time as an adult that that you think
2: that you sat and listened to or sat and watched a lot even? Yeah, I don't even think I can anymore. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And I don't know if it's being an adult or not having time or Mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, I can blame it on AOL instant messenger shorting our memories and cell phones storing phone numbers, Mm -hmm. but there just isn't that need to memorize something now. It's... I mean, when I was memorizing that bit as a kid, it was just listening to that track over and over yeah. and writing it down on <laughs> notebook awesome. paper as so good. It, as it was said so that I could have a copy. And, you know, now I could probably Google search, you know, Bill yes, Cosby, yeah. track and field, dial, right, you know, and it would be there. So there's... I don't think that there's anything now where I don't subconsciously know that there's, you know, a way for me to get it instantly. Sure, sure. <laughs> Do you Did you
1: ever, like... Did your dad introduce you to these albums, or did you just find them and you decided to listen to it yourself?
2: They were just, yeah, I just found them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was one of those things where I'd kind of go through a different album when I'd go up there and mm-hmm. I'd have my favorites. You know, there was uh, Fleetwood Mac Rumors uh-huh. that I <laughs> got listened to a lot. That's awesome. Uh, Boston, you know, all of the Styx albums, Man of Magic, Equinox, mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever had something that looked like an epic cover would right. be listened to. That's good. Uh, a lot better. Beach Boys, and I think there was like one exercise album that I put on once, and I was like, what is this? Awesome.
1: <laughs> That's a thing you don't hear or see anymore.
2: No, and it was such a surprise as a child, like, this isn't music or comedy, Like, <laughs> What's happening?
1: How early did you know that comedy was a thing you wanted to do? I mean, you're clearly sitting there writing this down for a reason. Did you know the purpose at that
2: point? I don't think I had any idea until much later in life that yeah. comedy would play as big of a part as it has now in my yeah. life. Um, you know, growing up, I wanted to be a paleontologist until I was nearly through high school. Holy shit! And then someone told me that I'd have to do uh, grant raising like <laughs> my entire life. Yeah, and that didn't really spark my interest. Mm-hmm. I've seen Jurassic Park. Right. I thought that's what. It was. Of course, of course. Uh, all of us were very naive and thinking dinosaurs would be brought back anytime soon. I'm still, fingers crossed. Yeah, well, <laughs> unless science has anything to do with it half-life of DNA. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, I want to do that for a very long time, and I can still probably name every dinosaur I've seen in, awesome. in a store. Awesome. I still get very upset when people say Brontosaurus. Uh-huh. That was debunked in, like, 90. <laughs> um... And then after that, I wanted to go into video game design, mm-hmm. and so there was a little bit of writing that started making its way into my life at that point, because okay. you'd have to write scripts for your games, Yeah, and so I did a lot of computer science, mm-hmm. and then it wasn't until midway through college that I started looking at, like, oh, I want to do like cinema, you know, and I want to yeah. write stuff, and I want to make these shorts, and I want to start going into that, Mm-hmm. and it was never a thing for me where I could write drama mm-hmm. and it would always come out very <laughs> horrible. Yeah. Like very self-serving. Sure. Like this is my life. Right, yeah. And no one wants to see that. And it was <laughs> never good. Right. <laughs> but, I can relate. Uh the comedy was such a better way for me to express myself and a better way to share. And I just love being able to make people laugh. Like, yeah. That's, that's one of the greatest goods you can do in life. Of course. And so being able to do that is kind of where I started aiming towards do you think you had that
1: seed of, of of sitting there like repetitively listening to the same thing? Do you think that seed was in your brain somewhere? It,
2: it probably was because like I said between that and like my grandpa just going on and on about his stories yeah. I mean, every time I called my grandpa growing up like once I moved out to LA I'd give him a call like once a week Mm -hmm. and I'd always get like the same line from Leno which is a horrible (laughs) thing to have to hear but it was always the exact same like one liner from Leno oh my god yeah it was a Father's Day bit where Uh someone called home and would say you know, hey dad, hey son, how are you doing? Good, you? All right. Well, here's your mom, and he would uh-huh. say that bit every single time. <laughs> it would be like, well, here's your grandma. So, <laughs> oh my god! And it it became uh. just kind of a thing where I knew it was coming, and mm-hmm. he never knew he was doing it again. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> that's so funny, though. I, I, th- I think through that, just the. The way of comedy as a way of relating to people just mm-hmm. kind of got ingrained to me through that. Okay, and through my family. In right. general.
1: Was your uh, your dad? Were your dad and your mother were they funny people too, or is it?
2: Uh, my dad can be very funny, but he has a way of reserving that. He's very quiet. Okay. Whereas my mom does ninety percent of the talking that happens okay. in the household. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Even when my sister and I are home, she still holds ninety percent. So of funny that. And she's she's very funny and very caring, and <laughs> very interested in everything. Yeah, but uh, I don't think that comedy was a huge part, but definitely like that positive outlook and the optimism that comes kind of hand in hand with comedy was sure. very encouraged in our household. So. That's awesome.
1: That's good. Do you? Uh, let's let's go through. Are there any other tracks that stick out to you that like you absolutely love? Oh man! I don't want to keep this from you. you no, sh- you like, should be able to so
2: it. many of, so many of these are great. Revenge is amazing. Yeah. We talked about that earlier. The mean other one, the it. name of which I couldn't remember few minutes ago. <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm sorry. I'm just gonna hammer that that
0: nail uh, in. My name is Erica, and I love you both. Now, I said to my wife, "Look, this is great. You know, like we gotta have another one right away. You know, before we lose whatever we have going for us. You know. So we did. Now, this second one yields above." First of all, she come out of the shoot a month early. <laughs> Champagne in one hand, a cigarette in the other. All right, who's in charge here? You, the ugly guy, what are you doing here? I'm your father. Get rid of him, Momsy. <laughs> Time you have been getting up in the morning? Oh, 8.30. Why well, would you believe, 3.30 for no particular reason. And this is the way I cry. <laughs> How's
2: that shake up your spinal cord? Two Daughters is very oh, fun. Yeah. It's, well, it's so good. Those uh, those voices. And, I love his voices. Uh, it makes me wish that I could see this live. Yes. Because there's so many times in Two Daughters where the crowd is just uproarious. Yes. And you don't know what he did to her. Yeah, because there's a couple really long, silent <laughs> bits where I'm like, fuck, um, I'm missing
1: something here.
2: Uh, yeah, he just goes through what it is to be a father mm-hmm. and how... I think everyone's had at least a younger sibling or Mm -hmm. knows someone who's had a kid or a younger sibling where there's a trick that the kid has learned. Yep. And he talks about that in that one. It's so funny. (laughs) Just trying to get his mom to hear the kids say hello. Uh, The tank... I I think my sister did the tank as a speech spelling math Monologue. Oh, my God. About him flushing a t- woolen <laughs> top coat down the toilet.
1: <laughs> it's funny how people use really great bits like this in life. I, I had, uh, and I don't know if you've ever had anything remotely similar to this. It's a weird thing. Uh, in high school, I listened to a lot of comedy, but my parents didn't have any Bill Cosby albums. I had mm-hmm. a math teacher, and Ron Perry, if you're listening, I hope you are you're a son of a gun for doing this. He would tell us stories, first person, as though they were his. I had no idea Chicken Heart was anybody else's. <laughs> but, like, he literally oh would tell us that shit yeah. as though they were his own stories. And it's funny, like, people can use that stuff, and if if you pick up on the way it's told and
2: why it's being told that mm-hmm. way, you can, some people can do it justice. And apparently he did. <laughs> and, uh, Smoking has one of my favorite bits because it's such a reality when you deal with kids. Mm -hmm. It's about uh, him going into the uh, bathroom in school as a child and everyone's trying to smoke one of their dad's cigarettes (laughs) and they're breathing it in and just seeing how long they can hold it. And he does this piece where the principal walks in right as he takes a breath (laughs) and he has to hold it. And the whole audience is just dying as Bill Cosby's on stage holding his breath. Mm -hmm. And then... Bill Cosby also does amazing mic work like the sounds that he can make it just does this like (laughs) you know the the air coming out with all the smoke he goes that's not mine I don't know who did that (laughs) (laughs) just the voice of it is so funny because every kid does something where they're blatantly caught oh yeah and then instantly denies it <laughs> like there's no other way it could be someone else you know whether it's like a kid with chocolate all over their face mm-hmm. I didn't eat this you know, or like, <laughs> uh, marker all over the walls and on their hands <laughs> but that's one of those bits that just kills me um is it do you do you get a chance to
1: listen to anything like this ever still, still? Do you take an opportunity to or
2: oh when whenever i can i have every time we go to a record store my girlfriend and i will go s- through the comedy albums and Mm -hmm. try and pick up stuff whether I've heard it or haven't I'm always trying to hear like older stuff and um, you know kind of find where comedy has come from in the past because everything builds off of itself Mm -hmm. it's a great Um, way to research it yeah um and I just read uh, Born Standing Up Steve Brown's book which is incredible and you hear about all the people that he went up with and Mm -hmm. so you're constantly looking for their albums to learn what he did so well (laughs) right um have you done, ever tried stand up? Is that something you've I have not. I, I have no idea if I could, but uh it'd be something interesting to try for sure. For sure. Um
1: Do you uh, do you ever notice...
2: sorry, go oh, ahead.
1: No, do no. you ever notice like uh we we talked about the writing out of it, but performing wise has is there any like voice work or even the manner cuz I mean any acting, any good acting and improv is good storytelling and you have to be a storyteller on mm-hmm. your own even if you're interacting. Uh, do you know what your influences are as far as that? Because it doesn't have to be Bill Cosby. As, but as just... far as
2: acting, yeah. As like far as acting and that kind of. Um, a lot of like since I did get into comedy as like a work idea so yeah. late, like yeah. I don't know. <clears throat> excuse me, I don't know if I was ever attentive to who my influences okay. were with that. Um, I've definitely taken a lot of influence from people I work with now. Which mm-hmm. is, there's an amazing group at Groundlings called The Crazy Uncle Joe Show. Okay, and they've been going for eleven years. Shit. And they're the longest-running long-form improv show in Los Angeles, and mm-hmm. it's just this group that's made a whole show up, and they do it on the spot every single time. They get three suggestions and go for 45 minutes. Yeah, wow. And so seeing the stuff that they do gives me kind of inspiration on like, oh, well they did this sort of space work, or like, mm-hmm. oh this guy whenever he plays a smart person, whenever you know he pushes up fake glasses, mm-hmm. and it like adds so much to your character and you wouldn't think about that. Or, like, oh, he brushes his hair back, and it shows you how long of hair that character has. Right, right. So, like, Brian Palermo is one of the guys who does that, and he's, like, the king of just building these characters on the spot. So, Mm -hmm. I'd say, like, he's probably one of my influences as far as acting and improv goes. Mm -hmm. Um, But definitely, you pull from people you've listened to or people that you've read their work. Sure. And you know, it's hard. Like we talked about earlier, you don't see Bill Cosby do any of these rights. Right. And like, you can go back on YouTube and find something old, but it's mm-hmm. always really hard to see, or sure. you can't he- hear what bit it is. Right. Right. <laughs> just desperately trying to latch onto any piece of it mm-hmm. is, uh, you yeah, near impossible. Yeah. But, Did you listen
1: to anything much after this? Or, I mean, it sounds like you just had your dad's stuff and, you know, weren't necessarily making a point to go out and find like comedy albums. Or well, anything. I
2: mean, Unfortunately, there wasn't much for me to find in my hometown area. Of course. I mean, there wasn't a record store. There was a grocery store. Yeah. And then I was at my parents' disposal as to where I could, Mm, (laughs) you know, when mm -hmm. I could go into town. Sure. Um, You know, recently, definitely. You know, I've picked up a lot more of his albums. I tend to enjoy the stuff that comes after Revenge. Just because it does deal with more of his childhood and more of his family life. And you Mm -hmm. get like chocolate cake, which is a great bit. about One of the best bits. How his kids just betray him. (laughs) (laughs) I just love, you know, so I thought what was in it? Eggs! That's a breakfast food. Wheat! (laughs) That's nutritious. And just (laughs) justifying as you do when you're desperate and a parent. How to make your kids happy. And you know, oh Dad forced us to eat this. <laughs> we wanted eggs. <laughs> do you listen to other comics who are storytellers? I mean, is that what you prefer? Do you think I, I do definitely prefer uh, the storytellers to just bits? Like, I'll I'll never turn down like listening to people who have that ability to tell joke after joke mm-hmm. and make it work. Sure. Um, yeah, probably another comic that influenced me growing up was Red Green mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one of those things, like, again, I'm in the middle of nowhere, so we get PBS. Yeah. And you can see this crazy, you know, character doing all these handyman things, yep. which is great. And I so, remember that shit fondly. But, like, that was such a great example of character that mm-hmm. I never even realized probably growing up that <laughs> he uh, shaped a lot of my views on how to fix things around the house. Right, and right. what was possible. Mm-hmm. But, uh... Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> he he would tell stories about, you know, things at the lodge right. or, you know, all these different people in his life and that's one of the things I really think I try and bring to my comedy mm-hmm. is that that world that everything takes place in. Yeah. And okay. with Bill Cosby you get, you know, Fat Albert, Weird, mm-hmm. you know, Weird, weird Harold. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all of his you know, kids gang from Fat Albert and Gang, Mushroom Head. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, but he's got that whole world of people that he pulls from and his mm-hmm. kids later. And, you know, on the Cosby show, all of his kids obviously reappear. And in Red Green, you had, you know, that whole crew from the lodge. and Sure. You know, uh, I think that I've brought that into my comedy where callbacks are a huge part for me. Mm-hmm. And being able to make people feel like they know what's going to happen before it happens yeah, is great because everyone loves an inside joke. Of and course, part of it. And so I, I definitely try and do that, and that storytelling method comes out a lot more in my work because yeah. of that.
1: Are there, are there common characters or threads that you bring up from your, like it's, it's, it's not a usual life. It doesn't sound like you know a lot of comics here. Like they came from the suburbs. They came from the city. Uh, do you, do you know like the stuff that you're pulling from consciously, like any like experiences or characters that you grew up around?
2: Oh man, like. <laughs> I don't. I don't really have anyone specifically that I pull from because you end up forming these amalgams of people, of uh, where you know. Oh, I pulled this bit from you know my uncle, and I pulled this bit from you know my my sister or whatever. But you, I don't think I have anyone that's a as much of a direct correlation mm-hmm. um, from growing up. I definitely have you know different friends that I do that more directly with mm-hmm. from college. You know, once I I went to college in Seattle at University of Washington. Yeah. And that's kind of where I met, you know, more a more diverse crowd. At least. Sure. Because growing up in a town of you know 500, everyone's pretty much the same person. Yeah. Yeah. Because you have to you know exist as a whole since you're all trapped For in the same sure. spot. Um. So you all learn to get along, and you have that face that you are when you're with everyone, and they all have the exact same face for you. Right. And so once I got to Seattle, it was like, wow, here are a billion (laughs) types of people. Yeah. So I think it was at that point that I started really being like, oh, this is this sort of person. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is this sort of character. And realizing where I could use those
0: in my comedy. Now, when I was coming up, see, I was an only child for seven years. I had that blessed moment for seven years. Oh, it was really great, man. I eat regular, had a lot of clothes, two pairs of shoes, lots of corduroys, ties. Guys in my neighborhood—I was the only only child in my neighborhood. Other guys were suffering, no food, no nothing. Guys just walking around with the herbs. You know, that's when your stomach is empty. <laughs> I never let them know I had a good meal. I'd walk out, I'd make some kind of sound. The guys were really hungry. Got to the point where they were chewing water. Oh yeah. Then my mother comes up to me one day, I'm sitting around reading a comic book, you know, cooling it, and she says, you're gonna have a little brother or a sister. I said, why? You unsatisfied with my work? I'll make improvements for you? What are you bringing other people in the house for?
1: That's kind of a cool culture shock that I feel. I got the same thing when I moved from a town of like, like around the same time yeah. as you to Chicago, and you get this I mean, for me especially, it was like a huge ethnic diversity I'd never seen before. Oh, totally. Only on TV had I seen a black person, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And there's no offense to the, the one black family that was in my town. I had not grown we up. We had one you know, as well. You know, that's it. <laughs> and that's so weird to say, now knowing, knowing that I live in Los Angeles. But you you sort of feel like, well, shit, I'm I'm
2: kind of culturally crippled. I have to catch up now. In yeah. A way, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, we we had the one black family in our town as well. And it was almost just not spoken of yeah. because they were just part of that town sure sure and uh to see like you know they too were all filling in that exact same face mm-hmm. with everyone else so it was really interesting like you said that culture shock of like oh you know there are all these different cultures and this is how they typically interact with everyone mm-hmm. and getting to like really learn those and appreciate those, those yeah. different characters like right. it was great
1: yeah, and I mean also comedic perspectives because you get to see people who didn't grow up with you, who are of a different ethnicity, came from a different part, or and not just ethnicity. Obviously, there's a, a every different type of person possible, not just ethnicities, yeah. but you know that kind of uh, that that really seems to. But at the same time, you've got somebody like Bill Cosby, who you sort of still feel like, and I know he probably grew up with a a lot more uh, diversity than we hear about in his work. Mm-hmm. But people clearly didn't think of him as a black comic.
2: Right. Well, Bill Cosby actually got a lot of flack for this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, being a comic in the late 60s, early 70s, and especially fairly young. He was in his early 30s when he recorded this. Mm -hmm. He got a lot of flack for not talking about race. Right. Because that was such a hot topic. And, like, why aren't you pushing this? And he's... uh, I don't know if it was an interview or what, but I saw a nice quote on the internet, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to believe it's real, Uh (laughs) where he said, like, you know, well, I tell this joke, and it makes me laugh, and there's a white guy in the audience, and it makes him laugh, Mm -hmm. and so we're both identifying with the same thing. We must be alike. Right. And, like, you know, well, I'm kind of doing my part for, you know race relations mm-hmm. just by you know finding similarities of course yeah and he always had to kind of defend his comedy yeah. which I think is so interesting because it, like I said earlier it's all family fr- you know, oh, yeah. family friendly and like what could be controversial about right you know these kids playing in the street <laughs> like, yeah. yeah just growing up in America mhm <laughs> and you and the thing is you only know
1: that the character of Bill Cosby as a kid when he's talking about it is black cuz he's black. You you're not hearing I I hear nothing in there that's foreign to me. You know, yeah. not that it would should matter, but you know, if if you are like a scared white person who's never seen somebody who's black in real life, this is going to this is going to still suck you in just as much as anything else, which is like that's beautiful art right there. Yeah. You know, that's a great and I I think that's something we all strive for as comedy people is to suck everybody in yeah. with, with a perspective F-
2: find that full audience that can appreciate mm-hmm. your work yeah
1: yeah do you uh i'm just curious then has uh i i have to assume then your your sensibility now as far as comedy has uh you know grown since you you, you know had these maybe these limited influences <laughs> yeah. as a kid in in uh in you know in a farm town
2: mm-hmm.
1: um do you know, can you peg, like, maybe growing, when you started going to college, what, what the new influences were then?
2: Yeah, I mean, once I hit college, you know, I started looking more towards, you know, doing things that I enjoyed and actually fit me better than paleontology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I started, you know, we had a great little indie movie theater mm-hmm. on campus and, well, just off campus, but technically, I think within the campus limits oh, okay uh and so i started getting to see you know uh, films from everywhere so you started seeing you know <laughs> i mean sorry this is going back again no, but fine. like mm-hmm. leslie nielsen uh uh-huh. any of those parody movies you know airplane sure naked gun police squad mm-hmm. hot shots mm-hmm. those were all things that just killed me as a kid i like, bet. and i I think realizing that that was something that was dying out a few years ago. Once mm-hmm. maybe Scary Movie Two happened, yep. y- it was heartbreaking right. in recent years. Yeah, because that's still like all of those on DVD exist in my collection. All mm-hmm. of them on Blu-ray. Of course, you're not, you're not gaining anything. They were, <laughs> right. They were right. Yeah. <laughs> Those original film stocks don't exist. They're not right. getting improved. No, but uh, you know every everything that comes out in the future, I will own all of those of course. again. Of course. But uh, in college, you know, I started being exposed to a lot more, and not just through what I found myself, but through what other people were finding. Mm-hmm. And it was so odd because at that time, it was like when American Pie was really big, and I was like, "That's not really my thing." Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, you know, finding. You know, it wasn't about finding like controversial comedy or sh- that shock comedy that mm-hmm. was so big in the early to mid two thousands. Yeah, it was about finding like what actually like makes people laugh and like sure. comedy again as a way of connecting people and mm-hmm. like that acceptance of someone through comedy or that, uh, you know, making everything all right through comedy almost yeah. became part of you know what I appreciated. Sure. And so you know, the people like Bill Cosby and the people like. Uh, Berf, I'm blanking on names. Uh, like, Steve Martin was very uh, abstract, but he still would pull in people through that because sure. it was more, oh, my entire audience doesn't get this. Yeah, yeah. And so you still are enjoying as much with the person next to you, you know, like, this guy's crazy. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And so, you know, building through those is, you know, where I probably started finding my voice mm-hmm. <laughs> as a comedian.
1: Yeah. I, and I'm actually uh, curious because like you're one of uh, people who's you know around my age you're a bit younger than me, but who actually still kind of collects vinyl. And I, I try to make it clear that it's not a, a fetishistic thing where I have to have vinyl or that I give a shit about the sound. But I'm curious why you still buy vinyl.
2: I still buy vinyl just probably because that's what I grew up with. Yeah. And like you know I. I can remember my first cassette is B 52s mm-hmm. and I got it in a little parade that we had in our town and a local <laughs> radio station was throwing them from a car, awesome. but, um, I don't collect cassettes, but you know, growing up and just that nostalgia for mm-hmm. the time, I guess, of listening to my dad's records, I just continued to collect them. And like one of the ones that I, it's not a comedy album, but one of the vinyls that like I needed and my girlfriend bought me for Christmas last year, which was huge was, uh, buckingham Knicks, uh-huh which i just needed for <laughs> some odd reason because my it was one of my dad's favorite records uh-huh. and he had lent it to someone when he was in college or just out of college and they had left it on the back of their car oh. like in the back window and it just warped and he had never been able to find it since because oh. we were in that farming area yeah the internet wasn't around right. to get it and so, like, I always had this thing, like, growing up where it's like, I need that record because mm-hmm. my dad needed that record. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. <laughs> and so, I think vinyl for me is, like, one of those things, like, you know, well, my dad wears Old Spice and his dad wore Old Spice, right. so I wear Old Spice and we all drink Coke. <laughs> and, like, that's so good. And it's, I don't know why, but that's just part of what I've always identified as being what you do is the sort of person that you want to be. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I very much look up to, like, my dad and my grandpa. and uh, So I think it just kind of imprinted on me that that's what you do. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> uh, did you, uh, now I'm a little more curious, too, because you bring up your grandpa again, um, as far as, I mean, was <laughs> obviously a storyteller a
2: uh, funny guy, too? like v- just? Very funny. Yeah. And I don't think it was always a, a choice but i think that he he does it he's he's one of those guys who when you talk to him you know and it's your birthday it'll be bappy hearth day mm-hmm. and it's just hilarious to him and you don't know why right right and <laughs> you just get that point where you know he he's realized in recent years that he tells the same stories uh-huh so a lot of the times the family will sit down and it will say you know there i was twenty thousand feet over <laughs> you know whatever bridge he was flying mm-hmm. over in a bomber in World War Two, mm-hmm. and everyone just knows that it's his way of joking now. Yeah. Okay. Or, you know, anytime he saw my dad, it was, he never hunted behind Old Red, did you? <laughs> you know, and just this bit about how my dad never hunted with one of my grandpa's hunting dogs. That's funny. And, like, <laughs> and that's where his humor has turn to and it's great yeah yeah it's one of it's
1: uh and that's kind of an interesting thing about if you skip a couple generations back sometimes just one generation back the story i I won't say that it's all gone out of our culture obviously but the storytelling nature storytelling obviously changes with each generation but it's a richer storytelling i think you know definitely
2: because i mean there's something to be said about a storyteller like bill cosby Mm -hmm. and you know, begrudgingly saying a storyteller like Dane Cook. Yeah, 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 yeah. right. <laughs> you know, it, and the fact that that's where storytelling is now mm-hmm. is a little frustrating because you... Sure don't have the... It's not one of those stories that you want to hear again. Right. It's a story that an asshole tells you at a bar. <laughs> where, where you're like, I, I don't care about this. Like, why, where are my friends? Right. <laughs> Someone save me. Oh, God.
1: That might be the perfect condensing of why... Oh, God, that's amazing.
0: <laughs> it's so true. When, you, when you're a kid, see, uh, monsters live in your bedroom closet. I had six monsters lived in my bedroom closet and thank goodness for covers uh, or else I would never have been alive today. Covers saved my life. My mother saved me a couple of times. She played the game, you know, like, my monsters after me, you know, with the lights out. She'd come and get out of here and they'd go in the closet. My father didn't like the game at all, you know. <laughs> it's dead monsters. Let them eat you up. <laughs> so then I had to go to the covers, Jack, when they'd come at me, uh, uh, right under, and pull them covers over my head. Stay under there all night long. Cause she says, Monsters, wait for you to come out. See, then they start walking around the bed. You know, they can't touch covers. something magical about covers. They can't touch it. But they know, you know, they say, You gotta breathe sometime, kid. But yeah. I was the fastest breather on earth, man. I'd take them covers, lift them up just a little crack, spring cover right <laughs> back up again, Jack. Do you find
1: yourself having to like try to be a storyteller though, or do you have that? I mean, obviously, you're you're comfortable here, or at least I hope you're comfortable here. You know, uh, is, is it a thing that comes natural to you, or do you try
2: hard to keep that in you? Like, it's it's a trait that sometimes I wish I didn't have, mm-hmm. okay. because you know, it, through comedy and improv, you always learn to listen better mm-hmm. and pay more attention. And it's something that I'm very conscious of as a person that okay. I need to listen more to people. Sure, but there's that storytelling part of me that, you know, I've gone through my family where when someone says something and it reminds me of a story, Mm -hmm. I will wait for the smallest breath possible to be had by the person talking, and it will be my turn to tell that story. And I won't recall a single thing that they've said since I have that thought of like, oh, I know a great story. Like, here's this. Oh, you you said beach? Oh, well, this one time my roommate and I were at a bar, and we convinced someone that he was a lifeguard and saved a kid from a shark and i'll go into a 15 minute story and if they interrupt me in a similar fashion Mm -hmm. i will cut right back in with that story or whatever story their story reminds me of right and sometimes it's really not funny right right (laughs) but you know i'm definitely a storyteller in my life yeah as much as I may not want to be here. <laughs> <laughs> do you... And I, and I just wonder, too, if... I mean, I'm sure
1: I know that comes with age because I know there's a desire <laughs> to want people to still listen to you as you get older. You can tell that. You can see that in yeah. some people. Um, but y- you do wonder if there's also the desire to keep a chunk of you alive through your stories, and, you know, in in this sort of oral tradition that used to exist. Yeah, You know... And I, 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 do you ever think about, like, what, what stories of yours you hope will live on more than the other ones? Do you ever oh, have a thought God. about that?
2: I, I hope none of my stories <laughs> live on. That's not what I want to be remembered by. Uh, Just that your one, work. That, yeah, that one time I ran through an airport. <laughs> the story to be remembered by. That's yes, right. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, I think that there's definitely that hope that something that you do or say sure. is, yeah. You know, taken on but i would much rather have it be a fictional <laughs> work of mine it's Understandable. something i've lived at least to this point right i mean i can i've told billions of stories of you know my time i got chased by a grizzly bear right. or like the time that you know whatever i um, went down rapids on a canoe right or fished for an hour, but those are not good stories. <laughs> those are not. They, I, Those
1: first two sound really good. I
2: will say that. <laughs> the, Maybe that's all you need to say, uh, though. I don't know. I, I need to live a more exciting life, is what I've decided. <laughs> or make up fictional children that I have. Right, right, right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Do you...
1: Um, do you, uh, I hate asking this question because I know people are getting annoyed with it, or I'm, or I'm just second-guessing myself, do you miss, uh, like, because I know it's rare, like this, this is a new album that's on vinyl, but it doesn't happen so often anymore. Mm-hmm. Do you miss it all, or do you, are you fine with just getting digital stuff?
2: Um, there's something to be said about having it on vinyl, and there's something to be said about having it on digital. Like, I just bought an album yesterday on vinyl because mm-hmm. Andrew WK, a guilty oh. pleasure of mine, mm-hmm. re released his I Get Wet album as a deluxe copy. <laughs> and it's like, wow, how great to have this on vinyl. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, something that's very near and dear about vinyl is the fact that it ends. Yeah. And you have to go over and flip over yeah. the album, and there's that physical contact of you and the music. Mm-hmm. And that's really. Yeah, like, oh, Matt's talking about music. Oh. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I'm not trying to be, uh, I don't even know, a, like a collector or any sort right. of like right. oh, hoity-toity, I love vinyl sort of thing. But there's something to be said about having that connection with the music. Yeah. And, you know, you play the record and there's that sound right before it starts. Yep. It just like, and that's such a great noise because you know something's about to happen. Mm-hmm but you know having it digital you can take it with you anywhere sure. you can listen to it at any time so i think i end up getting a lot of stuff digitally and on vinyl mm-hmm. if possible because right. when i'm at home working i like having you know like oh you know half an hour's passed because this record has ended mm-hmm. where if i just have pandora on or whatever right i'm i have no idea how long i've been there right i'm not really in charge and also there's something just to be said about listening to an entire album Mm -hmm. like you're not just listening to your singles you're not just listening to whatever you really want you're hearing it kind of as the artist intended it in a way right right uh you know to think that someone could listen to ninth street bridge and then listen to buck buck Mm -hmm. but never hear you know possibly not hear both of them you're missing a huge chunk of the joke sure sure and like you know That's one of the great parts of this album, Revenge, is that you get that two-part story, which is pretty much three stories. Yeah, yeah. And they all intertwine and mix in, and you're just loving it because they're all there. Right. But, you know, it's very easy to go, oh, I want to see where Fat Albert came in, I'm going to buy Buck Buck. Mm Mm-hmm. And you miss half of the joke about when he's in the hospital next to a wino who's been run over by two kids. (laughs) Right.
1: (laughs) But, uh speaking of callbacks yeah you yeah. know it's it's very it's so incredibly rich and i i'm i'm lucky you picked this one um do you, if you were going to tell somebody who's never heard this album before and i realize that's kind of the point of this whole show mm-hmm. but i'd like to condense it uh, Somebody who's never heard the album before maybe doesn't know bill cosby that well maybe he's not a big comedy fan yet why would you say sit down and listen to this one deliberately
2: oh man i wasn't ready for that question. i know um... nobody <laughs> I, I would be very selfish and say, the yeah, it's my favorite record. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I can listen to it because it's this and I'm important so <laughs> listen to my <laughs> record of choice. But uh, in fairness, like, it's just great storytelling. Yeah. Like, it's it is in a way like listening to a a friend or a family member tell you stories about their past. Sure, it is you know getting to spend that time that conversation with Bill Cosby. You know, mm-hmm. you're you're listening to him and he's he's talking to you. You know, he's not yeah. just you know. It's great because it's recorded at you know live in front of an audience, so you get that laughter from sure. everyone else. So you know when to laugh, but it feels very personal. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what I try and sell them on first is it's a very personal telling of these stories that are very just there for you you they they tell you stories about what you remember being a kid and bring you back to that and like even when he says in revenge he gets very mad and he's like so I swore at him Mm -hmm. Junior Barnes you junkie Mm -hmm. and you just feel like everyone in the audience Uh. and yourself go like yep that's what we called people as a kid (laughs) like you didn't know what swear words were right Right, You had no idea. And like that that happened to me as a kid. Like I remember my mom tells a story, so it must be true, of me coming home and I'm like, I know what the middle finger means. And being so like, oh, I don't want to be in trouble, but I have to tell you because Bill told me what it meant. And you better call Bill's mom. And my mom very coolly was, you know, oh, what does it mean? It's the F word. And, you yeah, know, my mom... Getting more concerned at this point, because I was six <laughs> what's the f word Farto <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and me just like i can it's exactly like Bill Cosby you have when you're a kid, you're like this is the adult word, and you're <laughs> so serious, just farto, <laughs> and knowing that like. Oh, my parents are going to be pissed when I say right, this. Right, right, right. But I Bill, told me, yeah, Bill so told me. Bill told me, so, so to. he better get in trouble, not me. Right. But this is my chance to say it out loud and be an adult. And, <laughs> oh, shit. And, you know, just imagining now being an adult and knowing what my mom must have gone through. <laughs> yeah. And the amount of time that she laughed probably while I was right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, you can't bite your lip for that. <laughs> How do you? I don't know. <laughs> I know if I had a kid and they told me that, I would never let them live that down. No, no. that's amazing. They would probably ground them for saying fardo. Right. right. Let them continue to believe until adulthood that that's the worst
1: swear word that they could say. Meet somebody who accidentally says it in public and just slaps them across the face. (laughs) You do not say that word. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's so good. Uh, (laughs) That's as good a reason as any. Uh, what, uh, What do you have to plug? Twitter. Uh, oh Facebook yeah, script, yeah you script.
2: can follow me on twitter. my Twitter handle is at matt is grounded mm-hmm. um, for saying fart for saying All right. Um, or you can follow my podcast at CritJuice.com dot com or my twi- CritJuice twitter at, at critjuice all right um I don't really have any other ways of distributing this all right <laughs> I, I, I try to tweet some people think it's funny a lot of believers and a lot of no. one direction fans follow me oh, so shit. you should too <laughs> is, it, is it they want somebody who can actually grow facial hair is that what uh, it is i, I don't know <laughs> like i tweeted something and a friend of mine tweeted it and then uh-huh. someone from glee retweeted that oh shit so a lot of those kids followed holy me holy shit that's pretty great uh, that's how i got 90 percent of my followers what did you tweet that got that big I, of a response? I, I, I tweeted uh something along these lines and i'm horrible at restating what i've said it's okay uh whenever people in a movie all jump in a pool mm-hmm. I always think oh no my cell phone <laughs> because it's true it like, is, cell yeah. phones cost so much money and everyone <laughs> makes it look like the spontaneous fun thing to jump in a pool but you can't do that after like 97 <sighs> because you're ruining so a very valuable piece oh, of equipment god <laughs>
1: It's a simple modern truth and very beautiful. I like it. Okay, so follow you on Twitter. Do please. you? I mean, do you. And, and listen to the podcast. Listen
2: to the podcast, please. If you enjoy Dungeons and Dragons, you like hearing people get drunk, you want to hear some amazing up and coming talent, uh, listen to CritJuice at awesome. critjuice.com. How long
1: is the average episode again?
2: About 40 minutes, so it's perfect commute length for Los Angeles. Right, yeah, that's pretty good. That's what we aim for. That's
1: smart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. And I, I, can I assume then it's. Um, I mean, I. Again, I know that's how d and d works, but I mean are are you pretty clearly picking up where you left
2: off or is uh, it... yeah, it, you can follow it straight through. you can listen to one episode if you want mm-hmm. and be you know a little in over your head, but you'll pick sure. it up pretty fast. We tend to recap every arc, so okay yeah it's it's fun. We've got a great uh voice actor do the beginning of each one. that's good, and so you'll catch up as you go, but it's uh you don't have to know d and d to really enjoy it because it's a bunch of comedians who are drunk. Yeah, playing Dungeons and Dragons so you can listen to it just based on its comedy merit. That's good. That's good. Awesome. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. And uh, uh, Again,
1: everybody follow him. Listen to his podcast. And also uh, at some point soon I should have something up online of my documentary that you were in which is How I Met You. Yeah, forever ago. Yeah, five years ago about freestyle walking. It's called Lords of Soap Town. Yes, it's a dumb title. It's intentional. Um, Yeah, uh, so hopefully someone will be up uh, about that soon. But again, thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Matt, for coming here. And uh, as always, everybody, have a good thing. Comedy on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, read our blogs, read our tweets, watch our videos, and read our books. Please subscribe on iTunes, rate us highly, and write your reviews. You can follow us on Facebook.com slash Comedy on and Twitter at comedyonvinyl. Tim Nolan, he got ripping mad, his eyes were bulging out. He jumped upon the piano, and loudly he did shout.
0: Who threw the overalls in Mrs. Murphy's shoulder? Nobody spoke, though so he shouted
1: out.